Welcome to the Fearless Future Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine McCourt, Transformational Life and Business Coach. This podcast is all about transformation, business, and wellness. And today's guest, Karina Belize, is a natural products industry executive and omega-3 expert who successfully creates new nutrition categories, pioneers brands, and develops educational strategies to disrupt today's markets. Being a person who truly cares for the health of people and our planet, Karina shifted her omega-3 career from a focus on fish to algae in 2016. This has led her and a team of experts to develop and launch Orlo Nutrition, a new brand by Vaxa Technologies, Inc. They have created the first carbon-negative omega-3 supplement and a carbon-negative immunity boost spray with Ultra Spirulina. Karina has fallen in love with podcasting and is now host of two popular shows, Nutrition Without Compromise and her flagship show called Care More, Be Better. Nutrition Without Compromise can be found on orlonutrition.com, which is her latest creation that leans into the simple truth that great nutrition and bountiful health are a human right. The message is clear. You can achieve optimal health without sacrificing your ethics or the health of our beautiful planet. Her Care More, Be Better podcast has ranked in the top 2.5% of all podcasts globally. So I can't wait to dive in and learn more about Karina's journey. So welcome to the show, Karina. I am really inspired by the great work that you do and your venture with Orlo Nutrition. So welcome to the show and such a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. First, I also want to know about how did you get into this industry and this business? So if you could tell us a little bit about what your journey has been to enter into nutrition, as well as how you became an expert specifically in omega-3 and algae. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is something that doesn't necessarily just come right into your hands as a gift. So You know, I was born at home on what most would call a hippie commune as a little kid and was really closely connected to food from a very early age because of that. You know, we grew our own food. Uh, We walked a goat into the kitchen sometimes to milk it in the morning. So it's a far different experience than most 40-somethings that you might know. Um, And as a result of that, even as I graduated college with a degree in anthropology, I was really looking to what I would do next and how I would contribute to the world. I had decided I wanted to work for a family run or small company as my first job out of college. And it ended up being an herbal extract manufacturer that specialized in more than 100 different herbs that they imported from China. And so I quickly had to learn all about all these different herbs and how they could be integrated in nutrition formulas for supplements, foods, and beverages in order to make my mark in the world from a professional space. And so I dove headfirst into learning about everything nutrition. And a couple of years later, um, really had been focusing on what was new, innovative, and up and coming. And one of those things was really omega-3s and at that time from fish. So I went to work for Nordic Naturals as their, you know, sales, marketing, and education and leader for the retail-facing consumer brand and had to then become somewhat expert in omega-3s and what it took to ultimately support one's health and why they were so critical to benefit us. So it's been a learning journey 
And over the years, I've trended more and more plant-based, largely because of the health of our oceans and of concerns of overfishing, and made the leap from working in the space of omega-3s to working, you know, initially exclusively from fish to now exclusively from algae since 2016. Wow. Okay. That's a really uh, interesting and colorful background. (laughs) (laughs) Love where the journey began. You know, hippie kid turned anthropologist turned what sales and marketing. I mean, it really, it's been a journey, but I think one of the key elements of my entire life has been that I really value education. I love learning. And Mm. I think, especially when it comes to nutrition and health, if you're passionate about deeply understanding what it takes to reach your best health and to see that in those that you love around you, um, it really just keeps you inspired. And I mean, I've just seen such incredible things happen for those I love just by retooling their nutrition Mm. and the omega space and beyond, but ultimately really seeing an impact from that too. Yeah. Well, I certainly think health is gold. And uh, I think that was instilled in me from a young age. My parents always fed us really healthy meals. I think my sweet cereal at home was mini wheats, <laughs> which is not really that fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that was the same for me. My mom stopped letting us get kicks in the 80s because they started adding sugar to it. So oh my for, God. for those that remember kicks before sugar. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, And my dad was really big on fish oils. So I have to thank him, I guess. I mean, he smoked his whole life, which was not healthy at all. But um, I believe that he stuck around for quite a while because he had fish oil and salmon oil and all the omegas throughout his life. So So there's science that backs that up. And I actually wrote about this in Ageist because I was a smoker for 16 years. Holy. Um, Okay. So yeah, it's not something I necessarily love to talk about, but I chose to write about it recently because there is research that shows that the health markers, specifically with regard to your cardiovascular health, but generalized health markers of a smoker who consumes omega-3s are comparable to a non-smoker who does not consume omega-3s. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then, so of course, those with the best health markers were the non-smokers who also consumed omega-3s. I mean, since I quit smoking in my late 20s, I have run marathons. I ran the Boston Marathon Mm -hmm. and I competed and finished that race, um, having my own personal record at that event as a former smoker and having only quit two or three years prior. So there's a lot that you can do by, you know, focusing on your nutrition, focusing on your activity level, and ultimately committing to rebuilding yourself from within because all of our cells do replenish. We regenerate as humans. It's not like we're a starfish that can regrow an arm, but we literally regrow all of the cells in our body throughout our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about, I read some articles about you and, and interviews that you've had and just around this whole omega and people's misconception, I think, as well as, you know, well, if I have olive oil, I must be getting my omegas and I'm really healthy versus eating fish. So can you maybe describe a little bit about what people can look out for when they're, they're truly going to get the best benefit from a combination of omegas or what omegas are best? It's such a good question. And the reality is so many people don't, I mean, it's, it's complex. Like there are specialists who just study fats. Okay. Mm, (laughs) So it's, it's not like we should feel idiotic because we don't get it. I mean, we don't get it because it's a complex issue, but there's two classes of fats that are essential. Omega-3 essential fatty acids and omega-6 
essential fatty acids. They're the only two that we need to consume that our bodies can't make. And generally mm-hmm. speaking, omega-6s are much higher in seed oils. And omega-3s are much higher, of course, in algae and fish. And then in certain terrestrial plants like walnuts, flax seeds, and chia seeds. But unfortunately, the omega-3s that are present in those other vegetarian sources, and when I say other, I mean other than algae vegetarian sources, are all in the alpha-linolenic form, which is essentially like if you wanted to take beta-carotene to get to vitamin A. You are taking the alpha-linolenic form, hoping that you get EPA and DHA when there's no EPA and DHA present in those terrestrial sources. Fish get their EPA and DHA from the algae they consume. So our diets are generally speaking high in omega-6s, plant seed oils, fried foods, um, the oil that goes into your baking goods, the oil that goes into the, you know, your cooking in the kitchen when you're sauteing anything, that's all going to be much higher in either omega-6s or generally speaking, saturated fats. Saturated fats are non-essential. You don't need to consume them. Your body's really good at making saturated fat, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. But it's a healthy oil to cook with. It does not balance your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So ultimately what we want to do is to get closer to a one-to-one consumption of omega-3s to omega-6s. And the only true way to do that is to reduce your consumption of omega-6s while increasing your consumption of omega-3s. And that means eating less processed foods. That means saying no to fried foods. I mean, literally just say no to them. They're not good for you. You know, if you can just stop. (laughs) And then hard one. (laughs) I know such a hard one. And then omega-9s like the olive oils and the avocado oils, they're very healthy fats, but they're not essential. Mm. And so what ends up happening is you can replace your other seed oils right? Like your corn oil or, you know, the soybean oil that's in all of your salad dressings, even when they say things like (laughs) made with olive oil, like often you look at, you turn it over, you go, oh, it's mostly soybean oil and canola oil, which are high in omega-6, right? So you're, again, you think you're eating healthy, you're getting more omega-6. When you get a lot more omega-6 than omega-3, what happens is your, your body gets inflamed. And so if you stub your toe, it takes longer to stop hurting. It takes longer to heal. If you have your omega-3 and omega-6 in better balance, your body's able to return to homeostasis or return to normal after that inflammatory event much more quickly. And so that means that your body is in balance. Your body is in a healthy state. The big ones to look out for are the hidden omega-6s like in your salad dressings when you think you're doing your body good. And then <laughs> also in in things like trans fats, partially hydrogenated or fully hydrogenated oils, even if they say zero grams of trans fats on the labels, if they say partially or fully hydrogenated oils in the ingredients list, they're essentially lying to you. And you really don't want to consume that form of fat because it inhibits your body's natural ability to make EPA and DHA from the plant-sourced omega-3s and also even to make arachidonic acid, which is the omega-6 counterpart on the like animal side, right? Because you Uh need to be in balance. And ultimately, you just don't want to inhibit your enzymes. You don't want to gum up your system. Trans fats aren't food. It's one molecule different from plastic. If you were to 
open a tub of margarine and put it out in your garage next to a butter dish, flies are going to go on the butter dish. They're not going to touch the margarine. And that should tell you everything you need to know about why you should avoid them. Wow. Really, really great information. Thanks for sharing all that. I know it's maybe a lot, but um, the big reason that fish oil got such a big you know, boost and why it works so well is simply because it's a direct source of EPA and DHA, which your body needs, like every cell in your body uses these particular fats. And now we've gotten to a space with technology where we don't even need to go to the fish to get that EPA and DHA. We can go mm-hmm. directly to the algae. And so that's the space I work in now. And it's fun to make algae cool, help yeah. people understand what a great plant it is. It can sequester carbon and help us create oxygen. Right. So, you know, incredible tool. So what have you been seeing then in terms of the algae industry? Are there, you know, now algae farms, I'm going to say, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, I imagine there are. So what can you share with us about the trends right now that's happening with algae? Like where, where can people access to consume algae? What is it in? What What's being produced these days where people can find it? Well, you'll see more and more in the macroalgae space starting to come out too. But generally speaking, microalgae, like the microalgae that we grow for our omega-3 EPA and DHA is microscopic, right? So there's some producers that are growing it in open ponds and you'll see like these giant raceways where they're moving the water through. Well, it's like an agricultural approach to algae farming, right? Okay. And that that will then be used in things like, um, you know, extracts of algae that are used for aquaculture, as well as in some cases, omegas, but it's an open pond system. So they get infiltration of rain, which means they get different algae strains growing in it and not necessarily everything that you want. You have to use pesticides because you get water beetles that want to eat it. And, you know, basically all of the challenges of agriculture. So what we're doing differently at Orlo is we've taken all of that algae growing indoors at our aquaculture plant house in Iceland, right? And it's like applying a high-tech application to the growth of algae in a completely closed system so that you can feed it CO2, grow it with only green energy, feed it exactly what it needs, improve its growth cycle, and even increase the levels of omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that are present in the algae itself. And so that's what we're doing differently at our facility. And there really isn't another plant like it in the world. So I encourage people to check it out. You can go to Mm orlonutrition.com and take a look at that. But I also just returned from Natural Products Expo East. And I was excited to attend a panel of different professionals, specifically speaking about the macroalgae or kelp as a food Mm, source, right? right? And we haven't traditionally consumed much kelp as a food source in the West. You'll see it in dishes in Asia, right? Like seaweed salads or even just the nori in your Japanese food that's essentially made from a seaweed, right? Yes. Well, um, there's a grower now off the coast of Maine called Atlantic Seafoods that's growing algae for human consumption and also for animals. They're formulating it into Boca burger replacements, right? So like think about it as like being an ingredient in your veggie burger as opposed to other fillers. Actually replacing some of the salts that you might use because it contains natural sea salt because it's grown in the ocean, right? Right. (laughs) Um, They're using it to make things like kelp chips, like actually sea chips to replace your, you know, potato chips. Yes. And even using it as an ingredient that you'll see in foods like uh, 
for animals, like dried kelp as a snack for dogs to chew on. And so that's happening in the macroalgae space. We also grow things like spirulina. And one of the innovations that we've made with Orlo is to grow spirulina in this closed system and gets this hyper blue color because there's no other strains of algae growing in it. So it's super blue, less blue green, and actually contains a direct source of vitamin B12, methylcobalamin, which is Mm. really, really hard for vegans to get enough of. Also a full spectrum of amino acids to the point where the protein profile is similar to that of beef. So while we aren't working to make the next vegan burger, we're thinking about this as an application in the next couple of years where you could foreseeably replace your protein powder in your shake Mm. with something that comes from spirulina that has all the side benefits of extra potent antioxidants, also contains naturally occurring B vitamins that vegans have a really tough time getting enough of, like that vitamin B12 in this most absorbable methylcobalamin form. And also at the same time, from a plant that has just received pressed and fast company to showcase the fact that we are a carbon neutral and even carbon negative factory, that we're Mm -hmm. able to produce this in that way. And so we'll see more and more innovations coming out like that. Natural food colorants from this hyper blue where you don't have to use artificial things, right? Um, And also direct sources of protein, omega-3, other nutrients, um, the seaweed that's growing, it's less a replacement for those macronutrients, more like micronutrients, like fucosanthin, and again, some other things that are, are really powerful antioxidants. Yeah, so amazing. I mean, obviously, really intricate topic. <laughs> and right. uh, when you talk about the kelp, that's I can nerd out on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, or sorry, I was thinking about when you were talking about the kelp and how my dog at the beach will eat kelp, like things that have washed up on the beach and she, she wants to eat it. And I'm like, there's got to be something in there. Cause you know, when dogs eat grass, like they say they're, they're missing a mineral or something. So, oh, yeah. so it's high, generally speaking in minerals, right? So again, we're in the mm-hmm. micronutrients as opposed to macronutrients, like may not be a great source for protein, fat or sugar, right? It's really not. It's more like a vegetable, a vegetarian replacement for other vegetables. Um, but they do have things like the the brown seaweeds have fucosanthin in them, which is a super powerful antioxidant. The naturally occurring salts, dogs love to lick your hands after you've had yes. something salty. They like to lick sweat. I mean, again, yes. they need salt. <laughs> you know, and in Norway, horses, wild horses, and even Icelandic horses, they, or Norwegian horses, like the little small pony looking mm-hmm. things, <laughs> yeah. they they will go to the shore at low tide and eat the seaweed off the rocks. Wow. So this has traditionally been a part of their diets. It's a part of how they nourish themselves, a part of how they get the salts that they need for their bodies to operate optimally. And dogs, generally speaking, won't eat things that are going to hurt them. True. So, very true. You know. Yeah, they go with their instinct. Well, um, and if they do eat something bad, they can always eat some grass and they, get rid of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not the nicest <laughs> scenario, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so awesome. So you worked with Nordic Naturals, then you built this amazing company called OrloNutrition.com, yeah. uh, where individuals could go and see the work that you're doing specifically with the algae. Um, so the other component to what you do is really helping other companies and other nutrient product companies to develop and grow their business, Mm -hmm. uh, but also making sure that there's an element of how they're impacting our planet, right? um, which is another great passion. So can you talk a bit about who your ideal 
clients are and how it is that you're going about helping these companies to A, grow, but also to instill that sustainability or eco-friendly option in their business to make sure that their impact is truly positive. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've been a grainy since before there really was a thing in a way, you know, like, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of greenwashing by big companies, um, you know, able to capitalize on a moment of press and make them seem like they are just the cat's meow. Um, We have many examples uh, to pull from. Um, And, you know, especially brands that people are super familiar with. I'll I'll give a couple of examples. Um, Nike recently connected with one of our vendors who makes an algae-based ink to create a t-shirt. I'm wearing a t-shirt that's actually printed with algae ink, right? Oh, so awesome. This is Orla Nutrition's. We had these cut and produced locally in California from organic fair trade cotton. Okay. And then printed with algae-based inks with our messages, right? So beautiful. I take this pretty seriously, like even getting to what you would traditionally call swag, right? Because Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily need more junk. They need more quality stuff. And so if you're going to create something as a giveaway, one of the big pieces that I will even say to any company I connect with is just, you know, be mindful of the resources that you're using, but also of the message that it communicates. And if you're trying to give a gift to your client base, make sure it's something that they will value Mm. and that will also be as you know, espouse values that lean in to a social and sustainable message, because this has moved from the world of, oh, a value add to something that is no longer considered optional on the part of companies, right. consumers, employees, all of us, we want to work for brands and for companies that are committed to building a better world. And if you poll millennials today, they'll be much more likely to say, oh, I'd go work for that company because I like that they stand for. And then, you know, it's just give you the laundry list of the reasons. And often it's not even, you know, the pay, the pay might fall lower on the scale, right? You're speaking my language. (laughs) Because they care. And, And that's not to say that you should, you know, shortchange your staff, not at all, but ultimately to say that it helps a company to stand out to be one that they want to engage with and work for. Um, same thing applies to where they want to spend their money. And so if you think about the basics, every time I come to work with a company, I look for what they're doing right, what they could be doing better, mm-hmm. and what potentially they could lean into as kind of a transformational mm-hmm. item where they might say, okay, well, you know, we already have been donating X percent of our profits every year to this particular cause, but maybe they've been really poor at communicating that message external of the company. So I'd build a communication strategy for them to share with the world the things that they're already doing, which could use a little more airtime, right? Right. So that's step one. And then it's what could we be doing better? And it might be as simple as looking at their processes and saying, okay, well, look, you're using a lot of waste here. You're you're creating a lot of waste in your paper products or your packaging is simply far too big for your product. What you're shipping, what you're using to ship, (laughs) all of those (laughs) things can be 
improve just a little bit. And sometimes by creating something that's a little smaller, you're using less resources and you can save on costs. And maybe you end up paying roughly the same as what you had before for those shipping materials for a direct-to-consumer company, simply because you've reduced the amount of what's being used. And now you're also more mindful of what it's going to cost to ship it because now you've got a smaller box and maybe it weighs a little bit less and, you know, on and on and on. So I'm just using the direct-to-consumer example because it's one that you can lean into. When I was able to get involved with Orlo from before we actually built the brand to launch, that meant that I could architect something that had all of those things in mind from start to finish, right? That said, okay, I know I can get an algae ink in black. So what if we were to do a monochrome looking brand and only do black and white? And then what if we were to print our print materials with that algae ink, including the box that we ship with? And what if we were to work with a company that creates the shipping box that only uses post-consumer recycled paper? Okay, Mm -hmm. great. And they also print with algae ink and have demonstrated that that can work. Fantastic. What if we then also produce a product that's refillable as opposed to a bottle that gets tossed? Great. Right. One after the other. And so that as we architected the brand, we were able to take all of these things into consideration and build something that could confidently still say in the finished product that we've created a carbon neutral and even carbon negative product if you consider the offsets for shipping that we're employing. So all of those things need to be taken into consideration. But, you know, ultimately, if you're also along the way looking for where you can save a penny, then that becomes much easier to then sell to the finance team and the CEO, right? Because you have to communicate the value of what you're doing at the same time that you look at the fiscal responsibility for the company because people, planet, profit still has to exist or you don't exist. Yes. And I think there is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that there is a bit of a misconception sometimes, especially with companies that are mid-sized, not the ones that have already done it in certain departments or areas of their business, but ones who are sort of just tapping into this, okay, how can we do things better? Like to change and overhaul their packaging, to change and overhaul their tags, you know, for their product or labels or things like that. Like they, it, for them immediately, it's the, oh, well, wait a minute, the cost of doing that is just going to be insane. Whereas you're saying, no, there, this in the long run, at least is going to impact your business by saving you money, but also you're making a greater impact to the world and for your consumers. Well, and you know, you can end up in a world, th- this is the part where I sometimes have to lean in with any business leader, where you really want to be focused on ensuring that you do not become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you are just offering a product like everybody else on the shelf, and I'm just going to hold up, this is a standard, <laughs> like, this is a supplement bottle, right? I'm showing okay. you the back because it doesn't matter what brand it is. Yes. But ultimately, people pick up a supplement bottle. They're used to a white bottle with that Boston round shoulder and a yes. plastic lid. It's 100% plastic. And they're just going to pitch it in the recycle bin and trust it gets recycled after they're done using it. This is how 95% plus of packaged goods are in the supplement space. You don't stand out this way, right? It might be inexpensive to do because everybody's doing it, right? But you don't stand out. You're also not creating something that is truly sustainable. You can't say you are. And so ultimately, long-term, 
it's my belief that these guys are going to go the way of the dodo or they'll just lose market share to brands that are doing it differently and more responsibly. So if you can lead, you know, if you can start to transition these things to better, okay, you know, maybe there's a one that's partially post-consumer recycled, but you're still, you know, again, the expense, the environmental cost of recycling, all of these things kind of compound. Or do you shift to glass? Or maybe you find that you're able to create something novel in the aluminum space since aluminum is so much more recyclable Mm -hmm. and almost infinitely so. 99.9% of aluminum can be recycled and reused, Mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't corrode. It's easy to use. It can be, you know, reformulated again and again. But in some cases, people are yet to think about that as a quality like long-term products. So you lean to glass or find something else that can work for you that is more mindful. And so again, just thinking about the changes that you can make along the way. And if you're a big brand that's been around for a long time, I understand it's easier to do it with one product and get a start. But if you're not rolling those changes out to the rest of your line, if you don't have a plan to do so, then it's not really change. And it's not really moving in the right direction. Yes. And I find from the consumer perspective, like they feel like they don't, maybe there's nothing else or there's no other choice. So for example, someone who lives a healthy lifestyle, they're really into sustainability. They're reducing plastic in their home, but they want these health products, but these health products are coming in vehicles that are not planet friendly, right? Mm -hmm. So it's up to the consumer as well, I think, to really engage, like you say, like either they will stop buying certain products, which make them obsolete, or they, they are driving these companies and forcing these companies to say, okay, maybe we need to think through the whole ethos of what we're delivering here. It's not just about the supplement that's in this, this bottle, right? Right. So I interviewed on another podcast, I host Care More Be Better. I interviewed Kelsey Rumberg, who wrote a book called Trash to Treasure. Mm. And, um, She's an incredible person, but what her entire pitch with that book is, is to get companies to look at their waste stream and figure out ways to minimize their waste stream or even reallocate it in some way. And that could be recycling or reuse in some capacity. But she said in my interview with her that the hallmark waste product of our generation is the chip bag. And that one comment got me to think more deeply about how ubiquitous the chip bag has become. I mean, it's basically that single serve, you know, it could be used to have something sweet or savory in it, right? But that Mm. little single serve chip bag. And if you watch videos of underwater dives in different spots around the globe where there's a lot of pollution, you see them floating in the water. You see them on the sides of streets and on the sides of the overpass. (laughs) You see them on trailheads. You see them in waterways. And it really got me to rethink the convenience of certain packaging and even the things I would allow my kids to buy or pack in their lunches because I don't want to be part of that chip bag culture. Mm-hmm. So now, even though I might still, you know, buy chips for my kids, because <laughs> we do, I get the big bag and then yes. I have the refillable silicone pouches that I put them in that, you know, they keep a little airspace around them so they don't get completely crushed in their lunches. Yes. And um, I feel good about that change. It's a small thing I can do to shift that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that that is going to 
do away with all of those chip bags in use, but it's just a demonstration of how we can be thinking about things differently and how we Absolutely. can look differently. Yeah. Even um, in my own home, trying to reduce plastic with things, you know, I've moved from having the body wash to bars of soaps again, which I never loved the bars of soaps that maybe my parents used because they were always the very fragrant or, you know, not really natural ones. Now we have so many beautiful soap companies that have very natural soap. They don't even come in packaging that you can get. And that immediately reduces a ton of plastic throughout the year in your That's home. right. So, being more conscious that way, I think, is the way consumers can start being a real part of this shift in this movement of helping us protect the planet from all angles. Yes. And I, I love what Dr. Bronner's has done, too. Like, even in their liquid soap world, that mm-hmm. soap is so concentrated that it lasts for a very, very long time. So you can dilute their soap for dish soap if you want to, you know, oh you can God. dilute it to clean your floors, you can dilute it to clean just about anything. But they also have that bar soap just in a simple paper wrap. And yes. so you can get your soap without packaging. Many people have learned to make their own soap. It's not that hard. Yes. Of course, you know, who has time to craft? Right. So yeah. you know, that, that gets to be overwhelming too. But um, you can find really nice soaps even at the mass market grocery stores these days. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell us, Karina, about really some of the biggest lessons that you've learned along your journey? Um, just both you know, building your own business, Orlo, but also helping others make an impact through their businesses. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Well, you know, I think the biggest is that authenticity really matters and there's true power in connection. And if you can deeply connect with even a single person in a health food store, I have done so many trainings in my time leading companies, you know, growing Nordic Naturals from less than a million in annual revenues to over a hundred million by the time I left. I mean, it was a huge feat, huge feat, right? But along the way, I would meet individuals who had health challenges they were facing. And if I could offer them some genuine education and support, I mean, I would create a connection with that individual that would last for years. Like they just remembered Mm. everything about that interaction. They became fans of the brand. They cared. So I think that ultimately as a business builder, if you can treat your early customers and even your long-term clients, all of them with that level of respect and attention, ask them what their thoughts are, how you can be better. I mean, this is one of the the biggest lessons I think I've ever learned is that asking for feedback, even if you don't employ directly what they tell you, is hugely powerful because people appreciate being asked in the first place. Yes. And you'll find out more than you anticipate. Sometimes it will ratify what you thought you knew. Sometimes you'll gain a new perspective. But if you do that with authenticity and on a regular basis, your champions will become your biggest supporters and ultimately will feed your success. Mm-hmm. So whether that comes from professional connections and networking or a customer relationship, I mean, it all matters. So being in the natural product world and nutrition and all that, I imagine that you have a wellness routine. (laughs) I always like to ask people what are their wellness defaults or their wellness go-tos that just helps them be, you know, happy and healthy throughout their days. Yeah, well, 
my biggest is always get outside. I mean, yes. I yes, I am such a big believer in outdoor time as cleansing for the soul. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, especially as somebody who works from home and podcasts from home in my studio here and, yes. and um, you know, I, I can sometimes not leave my desk from you know, 8.30 or 9 until 5 p.m. except to go to the bathroom or run and get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And so starting my day by getting outdoors is hugely helpful for my mental health. And I believe also just helps me feel connected and embody the sense that I want to bring into my day. Having an animal, a dog, that forces me into that every single day is hugely (laughs) beneficial. And I just enjoy those moments in nature every single day, even if I don't make it to the gym that afternoon to lift weights. Um, Mm -hmm. Another is that I am hyper-focused on not consuming many packaged foods. And so, you know, most of the food that I consume is food that I prepare or whole foods. And some people think it's really hard to eat that way when you travel. Yes and no. I mean, you can always go and pick up some fruit and even do something like if you're a omnivore, you can get a can of sardines to get some extra omega threes. If you're not, and you can take your supplements with you on the road to get those omegas. You can also do things like consider only eating a, a you know moderate meal when you're traveling away, and, and just not reaching for things like food bars and things like that because you know mm-hmm. they can gum up your digestion too. That really dense food that's full of yes. things that you know are hard to pronounce. Um, yes. I, I like to consider them edible, but not necessarily food. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You brought in the whole wellness and healthy eating part. I think it's really important. Yeah. Get moving, yeah. eat right. I mean, sleep. If you can get good sleep. Uh, yes. Sleep yes. is like underrated. People don't realize like how much more you can produce and be productive if you've had a good night's rest. <laughs> well, I will just say, you know, especially as a mom of young boys, I've got a four-year-old and hmm. a seven-year-old, right? Oh, wow. If, yeah. If I don't get a good night's rest, I'm just more snippy with them. And (laughs) it's not, it's not the healthiest mindset. So it's when I notice those moments, I'm like, oh, right. I didn't sleep very well last night. Like this is the issue. So I also will sometimes lean on certain supplements to help with that. One is Calms. It's a magnesium supplement. And so you just take one teaspoon. I would never actually take two, even though the serving says two, because it can give you loose stool. You don't want to be tied to your toilet, right? So um, one teaspoon, and sometimes I'll just put it in like a chamomile tea in my evening, and it helps me Mm. just relax. Magnesium is incredibly helpful for that. It stimulates the relaxed phase of your muscles. So where calcium enables your muscles to contract, magnesium enables them to relax. Both are involved actually in bone health, even though calcium is the one that gets that check mark. So mm-hmm. uh, moreover, so ensuring you're getting enough magnesium, that's also very helpful for relaxation and um, bedtime routine. Yeah. Beautiful. So where can people reach you, Karina? If people want to connect with you, you have the orlonutrition.com. You also mentioned mm-hmm. that you have a podcast. So what is the name of the podcast? Oh, I have two um, oh, okay. on nutrition. <laughs> so apparently I like the medium. <laughs> you're, you're very busy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Nutrition Without Compromise is the show I host on behalf of Orlo Nutrition. The entire ethos of that show is nutrition and health without compromising your ethics or the health of planet Earth. And okay. so I interview thought leaders in many different avenues from 
you know, herbalists to doctors to environmentalists across mm-hmm. the board. And I also do some solo episodes there as well. And then the second is Care More Be Better, which is all about social impact and sustainability. You can find the Nutrition Without Compromise show on orlonutrition.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And so there's a podcast tab in the menu you can grab. And every week we actually do a full blog there and there's a video version or audio version you can listen right on the site or just go to your podcast platform to find them. Okay, so those great. are great ways to connect. I'm um, active on most of the social platforms, but the best way to reach out to me is probably on LinkedIn or Instagram. And at Orlo Nutrition um, on all platforms is something I also monitor and answer some of the community questions there. We get a lot of crazy and beautiful questions about omegas. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll answer any of them that I can. Awesome. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with today? Is there anything you think or that you would hope is their takeaway from this conversation? Well, I will just say something my husband has said about me. Uh, He's called me an omega-3 evangelist, and he's not completely wrong. Um, But there's one big reason, and it's something we haven't said during today's Mm -hmm. session, and that is simply this. Omega-3s, EPA, and DHA are involved in every single cell in your body. And so if you aren't getting enough, you end up using other fats to take care of some of the things that they're supposed to, and your body just doesn't work as well. So Americans vastly underconsume omega-3s. We consume something like 15 to 20 times more omega-6s than omega-3s. And so that's the reason you need to reduce your omega-6 content and increase your omega-3s. That's 100% of the reason that you look at all the benefits you can get from omega-3s and it seems like it's snake oil, like it's everything. Right. (laughs) It's because they're literally in every single cell in your body. And if you're not feeding them to your body every day, you're you're limping along. Right. That's it. Okay. Amazing. So people go out and uh, source your (laughs) (laughs) omega-3s. That's right. Can I offer your community a coupon? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... Why don't we do an extra 10% off any order they place with Fearless10 as the coupon code? I can create sure. that today. Okay, beautiful. Thank you cool. so much. If you will probably use it. So um, thank you for thank you for being a guest on the show. You are a wealth of knowledge and likely I could reach out to you again and talk about some other topics that dive into the world of omegas and algae and all that. Um, but thank you for being a wonderful guest. And uh, I have wish you all the best in your journey with Orlo. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate what you do here. So you've gained a listener. And again, thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Thanks so much for tuning in. New episodes drop each week, and I'd love your support on this mission to intrigue and help others bound fearlessly into their future. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Fearless Future Podcast is made possible by platforms such as Buzzsprout and Riverside FM. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, Buzzsprout is a great place to start to host, promote, and begin tracking your podcast. They have a 360-degree service and a ton of videos to help you get set up, choose the right equipment, and how to monetize your podcast. Their customer service is the quickest and most reliable to keep you growing and never stall your creative output. It's a super easy platform to use and connect your podcast to all major platforms for listeners to find you. So ready to launch your podcast? Go ahead and use the Buzzsprout link that I put in the show notes and receive a $20 Amazon gift card 
after your second paid invoice. Riverside FM is my studio platform that allows me to schedule and invite guests into a professional and interactive studio. You can have one or multiple guests, and it records separate tracks for ease in editing and creating clips. It's an intuitive platform that makes your videos look great and improves any sound quality, including sound effects. Follow the links in the show notes to review if these platforms can work for you. Want a secret for editing? Check out the Descript link that I put in the show notes. This is the easiest platform I've ever used to edit podcasts or any type of audio or video. So yes, you can upload video. You can get the transcript. And all you have to do is edit the transcript and you're done. Super easy. Check it out. All the best on your journey and have a fantastic week. Fearless Future Podcast is made possible by platforms such as Buzzsprout and Riverside FM. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, Buzzsprout is a great place to start to host, promote, and begin tracking your podcast. They have a 360-degree service and a ton of videos to help you get set up, choose the right equipment, and how to monetize your podcast. Their customer service is the quickest and most reliable to keep you growing and never stall your creative output. It's a super easy platform to use and connect your podcast to all major platforms for listeners to find you. So ready to launch your podcast? Go ahead and use the Buzzsprout link that I put in the show notes and receive a $20 Amazon gift card after your second paid invoice. Riverside FM is my studio platform that allows me to schedule and invite guests into a professional and interactive studio. You can have one or multiple guests and it records separate tracks for ease in editing and creating clips. It's an intuitive platform that makes your videos look great and improves any sound quality, including sound effects. Follow the links in the show notes to review if these platforms can work for you. Want a secret for editing? Check out the Descript link that I put in the show notes. This is the easiest platform I've ever used to edit podcasts or any type of audio or video. So yes, you can upload video. You can get the transcript. And all you have to do is edit the transcript and you're done. Super easy. Check it out. All the best on your journey and have a fantastic week.